whose purposes are often accomplished in unexpected ways, release in us the gifts you entrusted to us, that we may realize the power, love, and self-discipline that make for meaningful service in Christ's name. Help us to use whatever faith we have to accomplish great things for you and to reduce the hatred and violence of our world. Amen. You may be seated. The epistle lesson is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Jesus, that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying of, on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until the day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Word of God, word of life. The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. The Apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you? would say to your slave who has come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say... 
Worthless slaves, we have done only what we ought to have done. This is the gospel of the Lord. May be seated. So, as often as the case, and some of you know that I do this quite often, um, I like to, to reread that passage from the message translation that, uh, that um, helps us sort of bring it to today. So, here's that same passage, this time, verses 5 to 10 of Luke 17. The apostles came up and said to the master, Give us more faith. But the master said, you don't need more faith. There is no more or less in faith. If you have a bare kernel of faith, say the size of a poppy seed or a mustard seed, you could say to this sycamore tree, go jump in the lake, and it would do it. Suppose one of you has a servant who comes in from plowing the fields or tending the sheep. Would you take his coat, set the table, and say, sit down and eat? Wouldn't you be more likely to say, prepare dinner, change your clothes, and wait for me until I have finished my coffee? Then go to the kitchen and have your supper. Does the servant get special thanks for doing what is expected of him? It's the same with you and me. When you've done everything expected of you, be matter of fact and say, the work is done. What we we were told to do, we did. May God add his illumination to the rereading of God's holy word. The gospel passage from Luke for today is saying that the scriptures, the Bible, the word, the parables of Jesus are a seed with the power inside of them to grow, to grow disciples, to grow faith in those disciples, and to grow hope in the hearts of those who wonder and especially those who doubt. Um, I always remember that my mother wore, and some of you probably had one of these too, um, a necklace that was a little clear ball, and inside of it it had a mustard seed. And it was like a magnifying glass, so it made it bigger. Well, that's straight out of the scriptures. When I first saw that, I never knew that. It wasn't until much later that I went, oh, that's why they did that. So just like when you plant a seed into the ground in water and it grows. Why? Why does it grow? I can't can't fully explain it. And if I did, I'm not a botanist or a horticulturalist. I'd probably bore you to death with all that stuff that goes on in, in there. But I think the illustration in the scripture is clear enough. So also we say that Jesus, the living word, Jesus is planted in our hearts and faith, that faith grows. We accept the notion that Jesus planted the word in our hearts and that the living word grows and continues to grow within us. Not like swallowing the watermelon seed where you you were a kid and your older brother said, ooh, watch out, there's going to be a watermelon vine growing out of your stomach. Instead, a living seed that creates faith. So then some of you ask, why is my faith so shallow? Why, why am I not close to God? Why, why am I not closer to God? Why do I feel like I'm falling away from God? Why am I spiritually depressed? In desperation, you ask God, what's wrong with my spiritual life? Chances are, in all probability, you are not, we are not nourishing ourselves on the word of God. To continue the seed metaphor, that small seed of faith can't grow because it's not being watered. Studying the word is like watering that faith that is represented by the small seed. 
when you nourish yourself on that word, when you take Jesus into your soul, you will find that Jesus grows through the word like a well-watered seed allowed to dwell in the light of the risen Savior. Growing and watering and feeding, these are amazingly powerful seeds of faith, and they're essential to the seeds becoming and remaining strong and growing. For without health and strength and growth in the seeds of faith, we have a hard time observing or experiencing a faith that bears fruit and blossoms and flourishes. Now you see why Jesus used this. There's so many wonderful metaphors that we immediately understand about our faith when we compare it to a seed and something that grows if it's watered and tended. I often tell stories about my friend, Father Elias Shakur, who lives in the Galilee region of of Israel. His village that he was born in is abandoned, um, and he takes you up there to see it. It reminds you of so many biblical stories because they have the old stone houses that look like the picture in your mind that you get when you read scripture and all those things. And as he wanders you around, he goes, oh, look, there's my father's house, and there's the big fig tree that, that we always used to eat fruit from when we were little kids. Why let's, let's go see if there's any fruit. And I've always been there with young people, so they tear down the road. And, and Abun Aliyah walks very slowly. And he, when he finally gets down there and they're looking, they can't find any figs, he comes and he goes, oh, no. No one has been here to tend the fig tree, so there are no figs. We need to tend our faith and take care of it and prune it and water it and fertilize it and all those things. To make it grow. It's my hope for each one gathered here today that we will all understand and discern and seek out just exactly what God has in mind for each of us as we discover the way and pattern and plan for the seeds of our faith, whatever that plan and pattern may lead. As we contemplate all of this, we need to understand that Jesus is also reminding each one of us that being true to who we are and finding meaning for ourselves is not the end goal. It's not, it may be part of it, but it's certainly not the end. It's not, because you see, it's not about us. Never was, never will be. Um, I saw a meme that came across my computer. Reverend Francis Chan is a wonderful contemporary uh, scholar, author, motivational speaker, all kinds of things. And the meme was, I didn't like worship this morning. Someone said that to Pastor Chan, and his answer was, we weren't worshiping you. (laughs) Sometimes we make it all about ourselves, about us. But it never was and it never will be. But if we, if each one of us, you and I, were to realize that the power of the smallest amount of mustard seed-sized faith or poppy seed-sized faith that we have been given, we would understand that Jesus the Christ is at work even now through us. Changing things. Changing things all around us. And our task is to get out of our own heads a bit, quit moaning about how hard life is, and, or asking for our faith to be increased like those disciples did, and live. Live the faith that we've been given. The message translation seems to make, more, make it so, more, so much more helpful to us as we read the context of today, when it seems to teach us that we are servants servants of Jesus Christ the text reminds us that when we have done what we are what we feel is expected of us 
and then instructs us to verbalize that, to quote the scripture, be matter of fact and say the work is done. What we were told to do, we did. An affirmation for sure that helps us to know that we are increasing our faith, giving us more faith. You see, the disciples of Christ in today's lesson realize that there's so much to do. And very much like the challenges facing disciples of today, that's you and me in case you were wondering who I'm talking about. Because yes, if you professed all those things that we profess so far in the faith, that makes you a disciple of Jesus. Um, that's hard for some people to understand and to comprehend. But we're right in there with James and John and Peter and all the rest of the disciples. We're the continuation of that in the world. It seems that there are so many problems in the world, right? To be solved, we too cry out as disciples of old, increase our faith, give us more faith. There's no doubt in my mind that we live in a world of decreased faith. The problems on all fronts sometimes only seem to be escalating. One scholar said, people are scared and scarred, fearful and frightened of the future. All of this can easily lead us to be tempted to say, as Jesus' disciples cried out, increase our faith, give us more faith. If our eyes are open to the world around us, we seem to have these options. Or we can ask for more faith, or we can return to the past and cling cling to it. Then there's another option, we can give up. But most of us try to be more hopeful than that and rule out that giving up is not a viable option. We long for the world of the past sometimes, for, the life, the, 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 for life the way we think we remember it used to be. We can give up and be confident that we're the only ones who are God's chosen people and walk around that way. It seems from experience that none of those choices are adequate. You see... They leave out and make judgments about what will happen to all kinds of people. Judgments that I don't believe that we as people have any right to make. Judgments are best left to God. It seems we have to look at this additional option. It seems the question needs to be, how are we going to live in this world? How are we going to live together in this world? What a concept, right? All of us, not just some of us, and not just the some of us that we think ought to be the ones who should be there. That's a really hard one. And what are we going to do to try and make it better for all of God's children? Because you see, my scripture says that, God, that, that all God's children are created in the image and with the likeness of God. That's all of you too, because all of you are children of God. Some days, if you watch the news, you may think the world is in peril. Maybe some days it might even seem that it's doomed. Increase our faith. Give us more faith, the disciples asked Jesus. Jesus responds, if you had just a little faith, you would be able to do amazing things. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, the size of a poppy seed, or as the message translates it, the size of a poppy seed, a little tiny seed anyway. So you see, as we gather on this World Communion Sunday, as we think more deeply about our connection with the church across the world, in churches like ours that seem safe and are beautiful, 
and in persecuted congregations and state churches, in churches of all Christian types and denominations and practices, fragile churches that are, ju- that are brand new and trying to plant themselves, dying churches that are terrified that their doors may not be open next year at this time, all expressions of Christ's body, all the fruit of the Great Commission, that Jesus would be with us to the end of the earth, and so Jesus is. And as we confidently baptize Layla in a few minutes, this young one, we welcome her into the church of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We are thankful for the hope that this beautiful child of God represents because I believe that every time we see children and we see their innocence and all that stuff, it gives us hope that there is a future, a different kind of future if we fight for it. It's a wonderful thing. Remember, Jesus is with us wherever there is even the faith the size of a mustard seed. A large church with thousands of members in worship or a few gathered in a small country church. Or an aging woman no longer able to physically attend services but is visited by our Eucharistic ministers and feels the love of her church through this connection and extension to them. Or how about a young adult burned by some bad experience in a local congregation or a group in a church trying to figure out how to transform and survive without the help of those people who were in their lives when they were growing up and seemed to help them so much. How about the family whose baby is baptized during a church service? The parents and the godparents make promises. The congregation promises to help them with the Christian nurture of this child. And then almost no one from the congregation can figure out a way to get up to them, to congratulate them, or to to say that we're with you. We're going to help you in every way that we can. They simply take pictures with their family and go home. The good news in all of these situations, the positive and not so positive, is that Jesus is with us wherever there is even faith the size of a mustard seed. Faith the size of a mustard seed which will allow that faith to grow. Thanks be to God. Jesus is alive in helping us reach out and love one another for all of us are children of God. And we need to understand that and realize why we gather and why we come to church and why we seek out the church for all kinds of reasons. It's a connection. It's support. It's a thing that comes together when more people pray, amazing things happen. I believe that Jesus is alive. I believe that Jesus is alive wherever Christians practice the faith that they've already, that they already have, even when it's only the size of a mustard seed or a poppy seed. It's not so much that we need more. It's that we need to use what we already have. Increase our faith. Give us more faith and show us the way into the fullness of the light of the risen and redeeming Lord. And we hope for all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, who is the living and growing word. Amen.
Go in peace. Live in love as Christ loved us.